0: It is an amazing joy to welcome all who are here at this service today in this sacred place where some of you have worshipped many, many, many times before. Some of you have not been here for a long time and some of you are here for the first time. We are gathered today in this service of Thanksgiving and we're joined with all those others in Austin, who are witnessing at the detention center, who are marching with bishops against gun violence, and all those around the globe who are worshiping God this Sunday morning. Seminary of the Southwest alumna, Bishop Dina Harrison, Is known for a quotation she uses with clergy and those preparing for ordained ministry. She attributes it to Charlie Cook, retired professor of pastoral theology emeritus. If you wake up one Sunday morning feeling prophetic, you had better have your bags packed in the narthex. It's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? One of those panhandle proverbs, a lot like that in our gospel reading today. Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown, among their own kin, and in their own house. Jesus pronounces this proverb to the crowd in Nazareth, initially impressed by his teaching and by his power, and then suspicious, and then dismissive. Jesus quotes it right before he gives marching orders to the 12 disciples, whom he invests with power to teach and to preach and to exorcise and to heal, just like he does. These two stopping places on the journey of Mark's gospel are about faith and failure, setbacks and progress, death and life. And during this general convention of 2018, these two gospel stories give us a chance to reflect on how we are being called to be prophetic, how the Episcopal Church is being called to be prophetic. In the face of that terrible word, decline, those more theological words, decentering and disestablishment how are we to preach the good news in a world where we are being overtaken by better marketed better funding messages messaging about what is true how to be human and how to be a human community mark's gospel lectionary year b Part of it. My favorite gospel. Not too much charm, zero sentimentality, almost too much realism, and with paradox woven throughout it so tightly that it can never be unraveled by logic or explained to make sense. Mark has showed Jesus to be the paradigm of the powerful prophet. In the tradition of Moses, the lawgiver and the worker of wonders, of Elijah, the one with the ratty wardrobe, who feeds widows and saves their children. Jesus, the prophet, who preaches, repent, who forgives sins and speaks of the kingdom of God. He is mighty and in word and deed. What wisdom is given to him? Jesus has been rocking Galilee with deeds of power from the gentle lifting up of the mother by the hand and the fever left her to the most spectacular exorcisms, that herd of possessed pigs leaping off the cliff into the sea. In the country And by the Sea of Galilee, he's been making the wounded whole and healing the sin-sick soul. He is having stupendous success, and he's arousing opposition. Accused by the power, by the ruler of demons, he casts out demons. But here in his village, his hometown, they were scandalized. They took offense. They stumbled, and he could do no deed of power there. And he was amazed at their unbelief, their apistis, their unfaith. Why could Jesus do no deed of power there? Because nobody asked him. Nobody begged him. Nobody threw themselves at his feet and supplicated him. We've seen faith, we've seen pistis in this hard country of Galilee. And it's not what you believe. But it is who you trust and who you need. Faith is the friends who dug through the roof to get to their friend, to gain access, who made a way to get to Jesus. Faith is the father who begged him to come to his dying daughter. Faith is the bleeder who fought her way through the crowd to touch his clothes, who made a way when he saw their faith. Do not fear, only have faith. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Faith is close to desperation. And it's at the end of the line. The last point, the eschatos. My little daughter is at the point of death, the eschatos. The people in Nazareth were not desperate enough. They figured he couldn't be Elijah or Moses. He was just a carpenter. The people who have faith in Mark do what Bishop Curry entreated us to do at the opening Eucharist, And last night at the revival, and maybe it doesn't come so easy for some of us to throw yourself into the arms of Jesus. What if we in the Episcopal Church got desperate enough to gamble on Jesus? Then we would figure out a way, a way to get in, a way to get down. We would make a way where there's no way. Maybe a time of political extremism. Maybe when we're at the eschatos, Maybe that time will do it to make us desperate supplicants. So in Nazareth, nothing happens. There's a standoff. They're scandalized. And Jesus is amazed at their unbelief. It's a a bust. In my family, when we have a real disappointment or something bad happens, we just say to each other, a setback. (laughs) So Nazareth was a setback. So Jesus just keeps going. He calls the 12 and tells them how they're to make their way into the country so crowded with lame, blind, hungry, broken, yearning, sinning people and their parents. You see, they will be prophets now, too. He gave them a buddy. He gave them power. He told them what they should pack. I go to a lot of conferences, and I don't remember where they all are, but at one of them, I met a woman who told me she was a member of the Texas Friends of the Camino. And their mission was supporting people from Texas, of course, who were making the pilgrimage across Spain, the Camino de Santiago. And I had never done it, and I was interested. She gave me her card, call me, she said. And I said, well, what kind of help do you give? Well, we give wisdom from all the other people who have traveled the road. And I said, well, like what, I asked. Always wear two pairs of socks, a light one and a heavy one, and when they get wet, be sure to let them dry completely. Caring for your feet. That's the main thing. So I like it that Jesus recommends footwear for this journey. (laughs) Sandals for when you have to walk out of Egypt, for when you're making that way, crossing that sea, trekking through that wilderness. And be sure to pack a staff to lean on, to help you up that mountain and even more important for support when you're on the way down. Probably not lucky enough to have a staff like Moses to help him find water and to part the seas. Just a regular staff to lean on. And don't worry about taking anything else, no extra clothes, nothing to check, nothing to place in the overhead rack. Nothing to place completely under the seat in front of you. And don't bother with a picnic either. The profits were supposed to pack only essential, minimal profit gear. And when you get rebuffed, not received, not welcomed, when you experience a setback, don't freak out. Don't wake up feeling prophetic and expect to be invited to move in for good, (laughs) but shake off the dust from your feet as a witness against them. Now, I love this. Notice this mild-mannered prophetic performance. It's not turning over the tables in the temple or anything particularly dramatic, just a bit of brushing off the sandals and moving on. And the story ends with the disciples' success, preaching repentance. Casting out demons, anointing with oil, and healing those who are sick. It looks like success, but in this most realistic gospel, it's setting us up for other setbacks to come. When it will be the disciples themselves, these 12 who stumble, who repudiate their teacher, and who are scandalized. The one I will kiss is the man, arrest him, and lead him away under guard. All of them deserted him and fled. The paradox of Mark's gospel, of its reversals and its mystery, This paradox is all built around the setback, crucified, dead, and buried. If the Episcopal Church is to be a prophet, its honor will be highly contingent, super situational, and setbacks will not be exceptional. The Episcopal Church's prophetic action might be dramatic, performative like the prophets, like the vested bishops against gun violence processing in the downtown Austin Park, or like the 700 convention goers on buses to pray at the detention center in Hutto. I have a very lovely friend at St. David's, and she's quipping, when Episcopalians are marching, you know it's really bad. (laughs) And the prophetic action may also be steady, patient, persistent acts of faithfulness, brushing ourselves off, retying our sandals, and journeying on. All the prophets called people back to the past, back to the covenant with God, back to the womb that bore them and the rock from which they were hewn. Jesus' wisdom given to him and all his teaching is about following the Torah, going back to the law, honoring thy father and mother, caring for the widow, remembering the Sabbath, and keeping it. The prophetic witness of the Episcopal Church is calling back. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember when these simple things were shared values, held in common, no big deal, telling the truth? concern for the common good care for your neighbor courtesy and moderation the prophetic episcopal church can call us back to these things which sound so radical now and which are disrespected mocked and not honored and all the prophets call us to god's future when the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like a young deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy to the mighty advent, to the coming salvation, to the kingdom of God, and the restoration of the world." The Episcopal Church calls us to the resurrection faith. For our journey in the wilderness, faith in God, minimal gear, sandals and staff and the presence of God, be thou still my strength and shield. At the heart of the Gospel of Mark is the paradox that it is not the 12 disciples who are the heroes of faith, but it is those whose friends are paralyzed, whose children are at the point of death and who are bleeding out. Might we in the Episcopal Church be desperate enough to have faith? And might it be the bleeders, the dreamers, the blind beggars, those whose lives do matter, those who cannot find their children, those who suffer as Jesus, the utterly forsaken one, who embody resurrection faith, and who will be our leaders in this barren land. In desperate times, in times of setback, of intense suffering, let us pray for memory and speech to call the people of God back to God. Let us pray for vision to call into the future, into God's vision of wholeness and restoration and resurrection, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the redemption of God. Amen.